0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Speech Check. I'm Sam. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 12.
1: And today we're going to talk about the Final Fantasy VII remake, the house party app, and games that we've experienced with other people. But before we talk about any of that, Sam, what have you been playing? Uh, I've kind of
0: been playing a lot of the same stuff, really. But I did restart uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown. Okay. Uh, I'm remembering how difficult it is. Um, and because I've got a lot of time on my hands at the moment, I thought, okay, wh- what one of my games can I get my teeth into? And I try and finish off previous stuff before I start something new. So I thought, Do you know what? Yeah, XCOM's a good one to, yeah, you know, that's definitely going to take up a lot of your time. Uh, I redid one of the, there was like a achievement I had to mop up on it called, uh, I think, Shooting Stars. We have to shoot down. 40 UFOs total, which over the course of three games, I still didn't manage to do. But I only needed about seven. But it's surprising how much because you can get like different interactions, can't you? Where you get reduction sites, um, terror missions, and and then you can encounter a UFO, which then to shoot down. So there's different variations of missions. So it took a little while, but I managed to get that done. And um, there is an achievement to beat the game on any difficulty but you have to start from each of the different continents okay so i don't know how much you remember but each continent gives you a different starting bonus because you get the countries you know if you get a satellite over every country in that continent you get the bonus for that continent Mm -hmm. whereas picking the one at the start automatically gives you that bonus and there are some that are like subjectively sorry objectively better to have so yeah i've Restart another game just on easy, just to get through the game as quick as I can. I think I started in Africa, okay, which gives you you get thirty percent extra of whatever you earn per month. You get an extra bonus, thirty percent of that on top of it.
1: Okay, but so it's bringing have but that sounds sounds pretty good.
0: Yeah, I, I think the the best ones to pick are either Africa or uh, North America because you get. I think you get half off, like fighter jets or spaceships and spaceship repair, and that really eats like that's a big chunk of your, especially early game, like be a big chunk of your money to fix and and build ships. Also, USA gives you the most money per month. I think they give you like two hundred and seventy, which, is quite a bit. So yeah, just remembering how hard it was as well. There's like, the the in-game tactical maneuvering and how to build up soldiers and how to approach certain maps. That's just like, I don't know, maybe 20, 25% of the game. Like base management, building, uh, what to research, who to capture, knowing what stuff you have to do to move the story forward. It's, yeah, spinning plates, to say the least. But it's really enjoyable. It's There's a real satisfaction in completing a mission and you know getting stuff done and being able to... There's obviously some roll stuff in it, which is a little bit frustrating when you're, you've you got a 90% chance to hit and you still miss. That's like, ugh. Yeah. Mm. But that's just one of those things in games like that. But yeah, it's a really satisfying game to, to do well on. But yeah, that's what I've been doing for, for XCOM. I finished Destroy All Humans. Okay. More to to get through. I kind of stopped playing it, I think I said before, because it had some stability issues mm-hmm. and the performance wasn't great. It crashed on me. It, it probably crashed on me at least three or four times. Ooh. Which, you know... When you're doing it and you think, Oh, I just can't it that just kinda for me that like just kills my enthusiasm for it.
1: No, yeah, I'm, I'm the same.
0: I'm um, so okay, I can't just restart that and I'm, I'm like, I'm done with that, I need to stop playing that for well, lo- at least probably a, a day.
1: You lose progress through no fault of your own, right? And it's it's kind of like you yeah, snapshot and... momentum.
0: Yeah, and I've had it before, I think I was playing that happened to me for Arkham Origins. Okay. Batman. Did it whilst it was saving and it deleted my save. Oh, And I was probably a good 75% way through the story. And I was like, nah. I, I left that for years until I went back to that.
1: You know what? You're reminding me of a story. A Fallout 3 story. I, I... Oh, it's a Bethesda
0: game that deleted your save it just whilst works. it was corrupting. Interesting. But do go on.
1: I downloaded the Broken Steel or Operation Anchorage. I think it was Operation Anchorage. I got the, the DLC. And I completed the, or I was near, near the end of the game. You know, I was pretty late game, but good, like, 25, 30 hours in. I installed this update. And then when I load my save, I spawned naked outside of the starting <laughs> vault. And there was a vertebrae landing in front of me.
0: So it was literally like, you were like,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I, I
0: just awoke from, like, a drunken night out, like, the hangover a bit in full light.
1: Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't work out how to fix it. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't solve it. My save was just buggered. Like that and that definitely wasn't where I'd left my character. Like,
0: I would I would remember this.
1: <laughs> I had like nothing in my inventory, none of my followers, completely naked, enclave in front of me. I'm like, okay, what?
0: <laughs> do you know that I had a similar thing on uh three and that I couldn't go to River City. It was bugged. I couldn't fast travel there, and if I tried to walk when I got within I guess what the game deemed as the border of River City, it would crash. Jesus.
1: Why do I like so, that luckily- game so much?
0: <laughs> I'd, I think we maybe gave it a pass because we didn't we were maybe Bethesda we're not weaned on what Bethesda were, we're like at that yeah. point. So but when you've made you know four or five games that are have the same kind of issues, you're like, you know, you start to, to catch on after a while.
1: You can get away with it once but not yeah, five times.
0: Yeah. Um Sorry I cut
1: you off there, man. Carry on.
0: That's cool. No, Path of the Furon. I went back and did some of the collectibles. I've only got one achievement left to do. But the final world it's like the alien homeworld. Okay. And it's not a great collectible guide for. Well, there is and there isn't, but it's it's really vague. The map isn't good on the game, and there's a lot of verticality to the to that level. Mm. So it's really difficult to know whether something's like at the very top of a building or like under, there's like an underground section that's like all rocks and stuff and like all the environments are the same. So it's really hard to distinguish what is what's where. So I'm currently kind of doing that, but it's a bit of a it's going to be one i need to force myself to, to do and playing smash as always oh yeah got some more people in the more astute fans will know from uh, our facebook post that uh, i got Incineroar into elite smash which was actually really fun he's a fun character to play he's goofy mm. and he can be gimped really easily but he is he's satisfying to play and you hit the alone whip and that just right especially after revenge on uh, and i got yeah, yeah, which, if you know how to play it, it's it's, it's fun. Um, and I like uh, Heavy hitters as well. Mm. Um, Simon and Richter, which don't usually gel with how I want to play. I usually like to play brawlers, and people that get in up and close. Uh, but they, I don't know why, I just, I think I like the whip as a mechanic, just having that distance. But yeah, I got them in as well.
1: Yeah, the, the whip with the tipper is really satisfying from what I've played with them.
0: Yeah, their big thing is again they can be they're two characters that can be gimped quite easily because if you lose your double jump, uh and you don't but then you can have the whip, but then if you miss that then you're just, you're just done. If you get launched at a bad angle. Mm. Yeah, they were fun to play. And you need to learn how to edge trap. If you can people try and avoid the holy water. Mm. Um but then if you know what if you know they're gonna do that, then you can get around them quite easily. Uh and yeah, and I'm working on Crom, Fox. By, oh, I'm so bad at Fox. I don't know what it is. I just really struggle to kill with him.
1: That's interesting because you you play Wolf, right?
0: He's more. I think because his he can two frame really easily. His blaster actually can mess people up, and he just has. I think it's the fact that Fox is a fast faller. He's like a fast faller with uh, high gravity. Mm. So it's a it's a weird kind of mix. And his from what I've seen of uh, Light, the the pro player. Mm-hmm. A lot of his stuff is on catching people with up airs, which is quite hard to hit. Uh, And people who, if you fail to a landing, that's when he like gets a down smash or an up smash on people.
1: Yeah, jab -jab reset into up smash, right? That's one of his.
0: Yeah, that's one of his like key tools. And that's just Uh, the fact that I'm not very good at that, and on Wi-Fi timing just makes it that much harder. Mm. Um, And I've messed around a bit with Diddy Kong as well, but I haven't really. I've not played too many with him. Diddy's fun. Yeah. Um, and Aside from gaming, I think just from having a lot of time been binging a lot of stuff on Netflix and uh, Disney Plus, got Disney Plus as well. Okay, ditto. Got back into Simpsons. I'm a big, big old Simpsons fan, mm-hmm. um, but I'll stop at season 12 because that's where it gets bad. <laughs> that's kind of like the mutually agreed upon season that it isn't good. You start to get the decline. Watch a lot of Disney films. Watched The Mandalorian as well. Mandalorian's really good. Really liking it. How far through are you? Uh, so, the most recent one, but at the moment we've only got, or Disney Plus in the UK at least, has only given us up to Chapter 4? Okay. Yeah. Sanctuary, I think it's called. They land on the world and they fight the, the uh, or they help the farming community that gets attacked by like these raiders. But yeah, it's just good. Bounty hunters in Star Wars are like one of the coolest parts about Star Wars for mm. me. Uh, and they're not really explored too much. In the main films. You get I think maybe like Rebels and Clone Wars gets into them a bit deeper. And I think the Star Wars Legends, correct me anybody if I'm wrong, which is like the expanded universe for the comics. Okay. They get really into all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's the stuff I've been doing. Matt, what have you been playing? Enough of me rambling.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna leap right off the back of your Disney Plus. Cause I have also downloaded that. We've got the seven-day free trial. Fran said she's going to pay for a, a month, so I'm all for it. And uh, we've been going through the MCU films, which has been double-edged. Peaks and, peaks and troughs? Yeah, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, certainly. It It's like... The first two Iron Man films are good. Mm. I like Iron Man. Yeah, you- I, I didn't like Iron Man 2. Three was better. Plot was better in three. I I didn't I didn't mind 2. And when you compare it to oh, two,
0: four... two is two is Mickey Rourke. Yeah. I just I just didn't believe him as a villain. No. No. I don't know why. They put Maybe War Machine
1: he's... in it. I was I was sold on War Machine man. Yeah. I
0: suppose that's got the same grade. I don't know. I just didn't. I just didn't didn't buy it. And then three is uh, Ben Kingsley as
1: Mandarin. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't have a
0: really weird ending where it's like oh, I'm not actually Mandarin.
1: It was spoilers for a film that's like probably a decade old now but yeah it turns out that the guy that runs the um opposing tech company has created the mandarin and it's actually some actor from england uh, he's just yeah here, and it's, he's pretending to be this guy so that he can have the u.s president on one side buying weapons off of him and he's f- funding the war by controlling the mandarin who's like an imaginary terrorist
0: okay so I thought it was yeah.
1: a, cool, a cool route for the story to go, you know?
0: It's subverting expectations, definitely. But I don't know. I just, I heard that about it and I was like, that's just odd. But
1: I, yeah. I, I enjoy 3. I don't enjoy... As much as I like Captain America as a character, I don't really like Captain America 1 and 2. I don't like either of the Thor films. I know that... Two, 2 was alright. I like the Winter Dark Soldier. World.
0: Winter Soldier was good. Oh, Winter Soldier. No,
1: not uh, Thor. No, Thor can... Yeah. yeah, both of his films were mayor. Winter Soldier was okay, but I just don't like Bucky Barnes. I don't like the subplot of Bucky the... Barnes, but a Bucky Barnes.
0: Okay, I don't know if you meant the guy that played him, but yeah, I I see where you come from. Civil War was amazing. Yeah, Civil, Civil War makes up for the first two.
1: For sure. But yeah, that's that's been one thing I've been doing, is remembering how exhausting it is to watch superhero films back-to-back, because it's like watching the same film over and over again.
0: Yeah, they do... Certainly have a, a specific formula that they follow. What are you up to?
1: Uh, I kind of jumped off a little bit at Guardians. I think Fran carried on, and she's... She watched Infinity War last night. So she's going to be okay. on Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think, is the next one. I think.
0: Are you watching it release-wise? Are you watching it, like, MCU timeline? Okay.
1: Oh Well, no, it... On Disney Plus, there, there is a Marvel Cinematic Universe tab, and it just puts them in order. So I think it's right. Oh, okay. Okay, fair. They yeah, have been doing that. That's been kind of entertaining. I'm remembering which films are good and which films are bad.
0: <laughs> like the, the, the caveat of kind of entertaining.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're not... I've, you phase out a lot. It's like, oh, what's... Marvel that? should, some should use
0: it as their tagline. Marvel MCU, kind of entertaining.
1: <laughs> Most of the time, you're having a good time uh yeah me and my mates have started a, a few games of civilization 6 as well we got the um the gathering storm dlc which adds like variable co2 levels and rising water and loyalty for cities and a few different sieves, which is, it, it is and it's really cool like when you're in the the beginnings of the industrial age and you start mining coal and you have power in your cities and then you get move on to the modern age and you can see who's still using oil and coal who's moved to hydroelectrics and who is polluting the world and when tides are going to change and stuff which is kind of a cool thing but never finished a game of civilization five or six because they take an insanely long time and you fail you fail by degrees in a civilizations game so if you're gonna lose you've probably known that you're gonna lose for the Maybe, I don't know fifty turns before the game actually ends. You've you've already made your mistakes. Your bed's there. You're lying in it. You're just waiting to to, to slip off.
0: You're waiting for the inevitable.
1: Yeah. So I've never. Okay. I don't
0: know a lot about it, but it seems like it's um, the game video game of Monopoly. I don't think I've ever finished a game of Monopoly officially.
1: I'd say Monopoly has more comeback. Or does it actually? You can just be absolutely rinsed in Monopoly, can't you?
0: It's the, I think, from what I think it was Jordan Peterson thing that was like the first person to win money is generally the person that will win the game. Oh, I heard that. Like it's like a, it, it kind of follows the Matthew principle, and that you, that person set, is more right. likely to win, yeah, will win more. Mm. So it makes but. sense.
1: So, yeah, lots of games, Civilization 6 uh risk of rain 2 i tried for the free weekend which i posted about on our you did? facebook page let everyone know that it was having a free weekend free download and it was fun but a shallow experience and that's uh kind of all i'll say about it it's pretty mindless fun with friends probably not worth a buy to be honest more doom eternal i went through ultraviolence and got all the collectibles um so i've 100%ed ultraviolence now nice and on the back of Resident Evil 3 coming out, which I'm about to talk about in a second, I've mm-hmm. been going through the B campaigns for Resident Evil 2. And there's a reason I've been going through the B campaigns for Resident Evil 2, and I haven't bought Resident Evil 3.
0: Ah, uh, but we'll get to that later. Yes, we will. So that's what you've been playing, but Matt, tell us about the releases.
1: I am about to do exactly that. So our first release... For today is the Resident Evil 3 remake, coming up from Capcom, released the 3rd of April 2020. I've been excited to talk about this one uh, since we spoke about the demo mm. in the last episode, because I played that. It was pretty fun. I mentioned some of the changes they made to the Resident Evil 2 formula. Something interesting I discovered is that this was not developed by the same studio who were responsible for Resident 2.
0: Yeah, I found that as well. It was interesting to to learn that, and it kind of open my eyes a bit so okay i now understand why things are the way they are
1: it definitely tracks and but i tell you what i'm not going to get too deep into that now I'll, I'll move through the the broad overview of the game so it's resident evil 3 remade shocker so you play as jill moving through Raccoon city after the outbreak so she has experienced the events from the arklay mansion spencer estate And now the infection has got to Raccoon City and spread around. Everyone's zombies. It's a real bad time. I'm sure we all probably know the the story of Resident Evil by now, but just to, you know, broad strokes, things have changed since Resident Evil 2. I'll talk about this as a sequel to the Resident Evil 2 remake rather than as a remake to Resident Evil 3 because I feel like that's probably a place to start with this.
0: That's probably a closer comparison as well, that it's been based off of that rather than it's been built off the back of two, rather than like you say revisiting three and remake it from there, but yeah,
1: mm. and it it stands on the shoulders of Resident Evil Seven in quite an interesting way as well, which I get yeah. I'll get to. So yeah, you're from Resident Evil Two. The gameplay is very slightly updated. It's basically the same. You know, over the shoulder uh, aiming, shooting. It's just standard. Your standard fare. Since Resident Evil 4, really, you know, a dead space, it's that, it's that gameplay. Jill has a dodge move, uh, called a quick step, which allows her to manoeuvre out of the way of incoming attacks. She can do this three times in a row before she becomes, like, staggered and can't do it again. If you perform this quick step at the exact correct time, you get a forward roll, which avoids all damage, and then you can spin around and go into slow motion and pop a few shots off back at whatever was attacking you. Carlos has a shoulder bash so he goes into uh into people with a shoulder or zombies and cause them to become staggered for a second so slightly different to jill's quick step uh, it can be used in a similar way like you could you can shoulder bash away from stuff but typically it's used to just bash everything back a little bit and give you a bit of space
0: i've heard it's a lot better than you know that his get off me is a lot better than jill's evasion
1: really that is interesting because i've heard the exact opposite okay. That's that's interesting. Follows the events of Resident Evil 3 uh, with a few large subtractions. So a lot of the game has been cut, which is one big complaint from a lot of the fans of the Resident Evil series. There's no clock tower section. Uh, A lot of the puzzles have been taken out to the point where there are only, I think, two in the game's short runtime of roughly, on a first play, say, five hours. Standard difficulty if you do if you look for everything, you get about five hours playtime. On a second playthrough under two, people are finding it. And that's on yeah. uh, again, keeping it on standard difficulty. And that's not with speedrun strats as well.
0: Yeah, I've seen uh, a few speedruns already that have cropped up on like the harder difficulties and they're clocked in about two hours, which mm. that's less than a week with the game.
1: And that's just gonna get optimized over time. For comparison, Resident Evil 2 has four campaigns, each one on a first playthrough will take an inexperienced player roughly eight hours and maybe four for for a, for a second playthrough, third playthrough. And then speedruns have taken it down to an hour 50. To, from an hour 50 to two and a half hours. So the amount of content in this game could be argued to be criminally small for a full price release. The pace of the game is very, very different to both Resident Evil 3 Classic and Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 2 has the, the classic feel of Resident Evil. You know, you're in a big, kind of sprawling, open-ish space. You've got your locked doors and, and business, and you have to work out your way through that while avoiding the denizens of the area. Resident Evil 3 is more of a linear action experience. You have a lot more weapons, a lot more ammunition, and a lot more opportunity to create ammunition. And you only really have one or two sections in the game that you could consider open that allow for exploration. You, you're not really in an open space trying to navigate it. You're just going through action set pieces to progress to the next. You predominantly play as Jill, although you take over as Carlos for short sections of the story, roughly a 60-40 split. And Carlos's sections are even more action-heavy than, than Jill's and when
0: when i saw how much ammo he had in his assault rifle he had like hundreds of bullets and i was like what is this what
1: is going on yeah it's a
0: survival horror game
1: it's crazy like you if you see any gameplay of a carlos section of the game he'll have an assault rifle with 60 rounds in the mag and then like 200 spare and you're just peppering zombies you're just firing non-stop because you can so it's a different Tone, pace, feel to the game. Not necessarily bad. I've not... Again, this is... I'm reading reports. I've not played it myself. A big... I don't know. A big, a big bugbear for me is how they've handled Nemesis. Now, people are saying, hyperbolically, that he makes Mr. X look like a pussy, which I have to disagree with. Mr. X is a great... Uh, motivator for the sections of the game that he's in because you don't know where he is. You hear him, he's stalking around, but he could just pop out of a door at any time. People can also pop out of a couple of walls, uh, very specific points. And he just pops out and then you're getting chased. And the, the tension just ramps up. Nemesis only does that in one section of the game within the first hour and a half. For the rest of the game, he's relegated to boss fights. You find him in a boss fight arena, you fight him, you move on. There's only one part where he stalks you like Mr. X does. So he doesn't operate yeah. in the same way, which...
0: From I... what I've seen, yeah, that's... I, that, is that like the first kind of proper area with like the donut shop? And yeah. yeah.
1: In fact, the area from the demo, that is one of the only yeah. open open world, quote-unquote, areas in the game. is that kind of Raccoon City area, and that's where you're stalked by Nemesis. And that's the only time he can be described as stalking you the rest of the time it's a set piece and then a boss fight typically so he's nothing like mr x and i much prefer the way mr x was handled especially as i've started playing through the b campaigns and they mix up where he comes from and my god the number of times i've been like oh my god here he comes i don't have enough ammo what do i do he just ramps that tension up to 11 and i don't necessarily feel that ne- uh, nemesis is handled in the same way so i ugh, ugh, don't know how i feel about that They've taken away mercenaries. Resident Evil 3 was the first Resident Evil to have mercenaries in it which is now kind of a could you could you say a, a fa- famous mode? It was in 3, 4 and 5. You know, and... It was kind of like a cult thing.
0: I think the players liked it a lot better than maybe the, the devs wanted to make it for. They probably didn't anticipate how popular it would be with people but it's definitely a, a fond thing that people uh, myself included look back on and think yeah that was fun. That was definitely fun.
1: I have a lot of fond memories of Resi 4 Mercenaries. It was an incredibly fun aside once you complete the game. You know, not only can you go back and play it on a hard difficulty, you get some unlocks, there's some replay value there, but you also have this extra mode that has its own unlocks. You know, extra maps, extra characters. They all play completely differently. It was a laugh to go back in. Uh, This Resident Evil 3 has no Mercenaries. Instead, it's bundled with Resident Evil Resistance, which is an asymmetrical multiplayer game, not entirely unlike Dead by Daylight where one player takes control of a umbrella scientist and besets a team of four subjects who have to make their way out of an umbrella laboratory while zombies, traps, you know, the the standard stuff. When I first saw this announced, I was hoping it was going to be like Resident Evil Outbreak, like a co-op experience. And I was a bit disappointed when I saw that it was just an asymmetrical multiplayer game. I think it's a bit... I don't know, it seems like it, it might be fun for two, three hours, but it's not something that's going to hold... It's not like Overwatch, you know? It's not going to hold your attention forever. It's not the next eSport. It's just a fun aside where you get to control some monsters.
0: I think it's interesting that the last few games we looked at, was at the uh, Predator, Hunter Grounds, mm-hmm. um, Doom, they've all gone with an asymmetrical multiplayer as opposed to a traditional just deathmatch-based everybody have a gun, everybody shoot each other but from what we've seen and I kind of think how we both don't want to put words in your mouth but I hope we, we kind of agree that that doesn't generally have as much legs as a traditional multiplayer does so it's interesting that I think games recently have taken that approach to their, to their PvP
1: It's an interesting experimentation for sure and uh, yeah I don't know whether it's a good idea or not because I, I quite liked Predator Hunting Grounds which is something I announced on the Facebook page uh, let you know that there was a beta weekend coming in for that one that's releasing end of this month I'll definitely be covering it it was enjoyable but it was enjoyable because it was a co-op spe- experience and a competitive experience simultaneously whereas yeah. when, when you have I don't know it, it kind of works in Doom as well but again it doesn't have that same kind of I I wouldn't play it like I used to play COD like quite obsessively and it just doesn't have that same kind of vibe to it in my opinion
0: I don't think it grips you as much because I think you're going to be... like if you could be... If I could play that being actually Nemesis, that would be really cool and I'd be a lot more into it. But yeah. I think dummy it down to that makes it a little bit kind of, for me, neuters it a little bit.
1: Could, like, Can you imagine if, instead of it being like an Umbrella Scientist thing, imagine if you took control of characters from the series. They all had special attacks or something and they could all do different stuff. You had a, an area that was like rammed with zombies and B.O.W.'s and you took control of one of the monsters from the game series and they had a series of objectives they had to complete and you were just dropped in and you had to kill them. Like, yeah, just a bit more simplistic, toned down, make it more action-packed. It's clearly gone for a really heavy action focus on this game. And I've covered, I've, I've been covering a lot of the negative stuff. Some of the positive stuff, the game feel is still great. You know, the characters look amazing, the environments look amazing, incredibly detailed... It's a great looking game, great play. The
0: cutscenes are beautiful, I've mm. got to say. I've watched it, admittedly I've watched it on uh, someone playing it on a uh, high-end PC with, with decent specs, but still, still it looks fantastic.
1: Mm. And the characters are well-written too. Like Jill, Jill is written differently to how she was in Resident Evil 3, so she is more of a full character. And same with Carlos. Carlos was kind of a cardboard cutout in Resident Evil 3, in a way. You know, he didn't really have much to say for himself. But in this, he is he is a realistic character who, you know, has reactions to stuff you can get on board with his motives, which is nice. Here's I this. like,
0: actually, that they balanced him. They, he's got, like, a, an old-school, slightly campy, uh, 80s action hero vibe, but he's not, like, ridiculous. Mm. He's not, like, ham-fisted. He's, like... He still gives the... I think the first instance he comes in, he gives a... Uh, nemesis the rocket launcher and he's like hey fuck face and he gives that but he you know he develops and says says normal things he's not just like well that's not that's not muscle so i don't care he's not like that he's he's human and normal yeah as as normal as you can be in resident evil dialogue
1: that yeah that, that's a good way to put it it's definitely definitely still a resident evil game so the dialogue is interesting in points but yeah he's he is more of a character now cutting all this short i'm just gonna say wait for a sale. It's not worth full price, in my opinion. Uh, the game's too short. Replayability is low. You unlock extra difficulties to play through the same campaign. And you get a, a store that allows you to buy little upgrades for Jill or Carlos as you go through the games. So you can get like extra weapons, infinite ammo stuff. Things that we know from Resident Evil. And going back to the Resident Evil 7, how this stands on the shoulders of Resident Evil 7... They have a weird thing with coins. You get like assault coins and defense coins, and you put them in your inventory. Yeah, I've
0: seen. Yeah, you know, like to be hold, They're like a, a stat boost or like a perk thing, right? Where if you're holding them, you get more damage, more inventory slots, stuff like that.
1: Mm. It's odd. It's odd to me. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say this is definitely one to wait for a sale for, and it's this. It's strange because Well, I say it's strange, it's perfectly understandable. The big review sites are giving it all like nine out of tens and stuff, and then the more independent review sites are giving it a you know, six, seven.
0: Yeah. It's not- I think, I think I'd probably give it a seven. It's a good game, but I think people were, if you look at this independently, it's probably quite a good game. But if you look at what it could have been and what they've removed from three, three being quite a cherished game within Resident Evil series, people were probably hoping for more of a direct translation. Whereas I think two was, it kept more of the same stuff and then made the stuff that wasn't so great about it better. Mm. added in Mr. X so the stuff that was different was better whereas his, this I feel like from the feedback I've got from people who are reviewing it is that they're just the content that's come out of it hasn't been replaced by anything
1: yeah like the the decision system as well that was quite a big part of Rizzy 3 gone no multiple endings single story you know everyone, yeah, everyone the... knows that by now but it's just things like that that they've taken out no mercenaries it just seems to be truncated in a strange way and I think that's due to the short development cycle. It, it started development as soon as Resident Evil was released. That's not a long time to make a whole game.
0: Yeah, so
1: it's going to happen. Understandable from that point of view, but... and that's why I went back to the B campaigns rather than buying Resident Evil Three. So I'd advise sure. you guys to. How this. much? Oh, how
0: much would you pay for this? Matt, how much would it have to come down from? So say it's fifty quid at the moment. How much would you say if people see it for this price?
1: Ooh. That's a fair
0: price to buy it for. Thirty.
1: I'd say twenty-five. Under, definitely under okay. 30. I mean, you get, you're getting a five-hour campaign with limited replayability and a multiplayer game that will probably hold your attention for under five hours. So, okay. 25 quid. Moving a on. fair summation. Thank you very much. Moving on. Final Fantasy VII Remake coming at us from Square Enix Division One, published by Square Enix. This is coming out the 10th of April 2020. This is a reinvention of the Final Fantasy VII game, which is a much-loved game by many folk. I know neither of us have particularly strong ties to the game, but we can both respect its place in the gaming pantheon. Indeed. This is... I was surprised to hear that this is part of a Final Fantasy VII series. So this follows the events of the Midgar section of the game... from the, The original game, sorry. So this is just the city part of Final Fantasy VII and they're setting up for this to be kind of like a, I guess, imagine Hobbit style, you know, like they're going to split it into different parts of the game and you're going to get Final Fantasy VII 2, I suppose.
0: A quick question, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, is that peeved some people who were expecting more?
1: It seems to have done the opposite, actually. The way they've handled it is to flesh out this Midgard section to the point where people are satisfied to explore the world. Because in the first game, okay. you kind of move through it as almost like a prologue and go straight onto the the main story arc. But in this, you you're, the whole game essentially takes place in Midgard and you okay. do, do, your, do your bits and bobs. So they've moved away from the turn-based action of Final Fantasy VII original and gone to the more recent real-time action of Final Fantasy twelve and thirteen. Characters have one attack button. You can then switch your type of attack and do uh, special moves based on a bar that you build up. Not your limit bar. You still have limit and limit breaks, but there's also a... Oh God, ATB bar, I think it's called. And you build that up and it allows you to do special either item attacks or weapon upgrade attacks. So the combat seems definitely not complicated you're not it's no bayonetta but you have to go to it with with your mind plugged in and actually think about what you're doing enemies have a stagger meter kind of like sekiro but not quite as complicated if you attack an enemy at the right time during their attack pattern or with the right attack they'll become staggered and while they're staggered they deal you deal a certain amount more damage to them so again there's a a few things going on in combat in real time that make it a fairly engaging loop the levels seem to be really well made graphically uh, and the characters the main characters all look great the side characters not so much animations lacking their models and textures are so so when they're juxtaposed with the main characters who are incredibly high um high fidelity the level layout seem to be quite linear. The playable area is pretty low. And from, from my experience with the Final Fantasy series, that's true of anyone that I've played. You seem to just go along a path, having random encounters. Sometimes there's a little offshoot. Sometimes there's a side quest. But typically they're, they're not the broadest of games. I haven't played too many of the later ones, but they, they seem to be pretty down the line. I think I played 10 or 10-2. I don't remember. I've,
0: I haven't i played a single one, so I'm going to listen to anything you say on this and I'm not going to challenge anything.
1: Well, I mean, that's my experience, my limited experience with it. Apparently the plot gets a little bit JRPG towards the end, as in it kind of goes off the rails somewhat, even for a Final Fantasy game.
0: Go on, you surprise me.
1: Uh, and the side quests can be a little filler-esque to the point where it's like, kill these rats. Or collect these pelts. It does get to that level. Get,
0: get me this item. Fetch this quest.
1: Pretty much, it, they can be a little bit, um, a little bit lackluster on the side quests. Apparently, it's very, very well optimized, and it has, yeah, just, just a good, a good main loop. Story pretty good. If you're into the Final Fantasy VII series, you probably already own this, and it's, it seems like a, a good game for anyone who wants to revisit. The story of Final Fantasy VII from a slightly different perspective and a slightly more expanded perspective too. It has an interesting take on the difficulty modes, where you can have easy, medium, hard, and there's also story difficulty, where the game kind of just plays itself and you just experience the world, which is you know, okay, if that's the experience. You want, interesting, pretty cool. It seems like a perfectly serviceable remake, and there's a, there's a sequel coming. There's going to be a Final Fantasy VII remake sequel that will continue the story. For me, this is I'm, this is a miss for me. I'm not going to pick it up. It's not really my cup of tea. I'm sure there are people that already have this and are loving it. It has about a 30 to 40 hour campaign. So you're certainly going to get bang for your buck. Yeah, good game. Good fun. Fantasy Just
0: game. as a quick one to jump in. Do you know how it's been received critically and or commercially? Because from what I have heard... Leading up to the release, it had a lot of hype. People were so even kind of people that I wouldn't that I'd seen on Facebook and stuff that weren't I wouldn't categorise as gamers. Yeah, a lot of them were remembering it fondly, like oh, I can't wait for this to come out because it's a game I played when I was a kid. Mm. So do you know if do you know if it's lived up to that hype at all?
1: It seems to be living up to that hype. I just jumped on Metacritic then, uh, cheating a little bit. It's got eighty-seven on Metacritic currently, and it it seems to be doing fine. Like people are enjoying it because of people that are picking it up other people that want want this story again but modernised. So it I think it's gonna do just fine. And I think it's gonna warrant its sequel.
0: Okay. That's fair. So maybe 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 what RA three was kinda of hoping to receive from people, but has kind of fallen short is Final Fantasy Seven has mopped that up, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So no 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 truly piercing insight on uh on the Final Fantasy Seven remake, but that's the, that's the hot take on that one. Moving on to my indie spotlight. In Other Waters from Jump Over the Edge, published by Fellow Traveller, coming out the 3rd of April 2020. This is a very interesting game. You play as an AI inside of a dive suit controlling a xenobiologist on an alien world. So you have like a top-down view of a map. If you imagine the auto map, in the Doom games, that kind of view, but that's all you see of the world. And you have to manage uh, inventory and resources and help this xenobiologist find her lost colleague. It seems very interesting, very minimalist, kind of a, a resource management puzzle game. Something cool about it is that you never actually see the sea floor. You guide the biologist around and she describes it to you through text boxes. And you have to try so and I'd, learn. I'd reply to you,
0: uh, Matt, with all the things you're telling me, but you're, you're taking me on a lot of left turns. So by the time you tell me one thing and I process it, you're like, <laughs> oh, by the way, you never see this. And then you're doing this. But it sounds cool.
1: It's, a, it's an odd game. And it's one of those ones where I can't really describe how it plays. It isn't. The, I think I said this in the last episode, actually, of the game I was talking about. I think it was the um, What the Golf. I said it's, mm. it's not. I can't say third-person action or anything else. It's it's a puzzle game from, I guess, a bird's eye view. It yeah, it it looks really interesting. Uh, there's really good narrative depth, minimalistic style, and it reminded me of the game Waking Mars. If anyone's familiar with that indie title, if not, go get it. It's a great game. You have to use what's on the sea floor on this alien planet to interact with one another so that you can make space for your uh, biologist friend to move through this area. You might find some spores that are toxic to a certain school of fish, so you release them into an area to make space so that you can move through, or you might find that one fungus doesn't agree with a certain type of plant, so you put it near it, and yeah, it has it has basic puzzle elements, but it seems like the the core of it is experiencing the story, managing your resources, and just moving through the game. Super chill. Very engaging, but not stressful. So like a lo-fi kind of puzzle experience. I can uh, definitely recommend picking that one up. It's out now on Steam. And Switch, I believe, in other waters. Okay, cool. And uh, that's what I've got for you this episode. Thanks, man. I
0: appreciate it. That's
1: right. So now that I've finished rambling about remakes... Sam, what's going on in the news?
0: I am also so glad that you asked. So, my first one for you today is that Game, I put Game UK, but Game, the retail store in the UK, uh, has officially finally put its staff on furlough. Uh, that's coming at least until the end of this month. So wait, now April? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, April. It's hard with the days, man i get. I'd, I thought. I thought today was Wednesday. I wasn't too sure. I'm getting me and Daniel of a, a debate over what the actual day was because there's just days now.
1: My my sense of time gets messed up, so I'm not too bad on knowing what day it is. But I can, I, I can't tell whether it's the morning or the afternoon often. Or you know, when you just feel like a time of day that's kind of mm. just completely out of whack at the minute. But yeah, sorry, carry on.
0: I think because it's not punctuated by an official lunch. Like a lunchtime, that helps mm. for me when I'm at work and it gets to one o'clock and I can eat. I know then I'm in the the latter half of the day. But mm. then know, maybe it's just me. But yeah, uh, the parent company for a game, which is Fraser's uh, Group, said that uh going into May they can't guarantee that people they can provide full pay for people after that point, which is obviously awful. But they're they're not going to be alone in that. There's going to be plenty of companies that are going to be in the same boat. Uh, The standard furlough rules apply. They get 80% of their pay this month with a cap of up to two and a half grand. Um, I don't know if that's gross or net. I'm not quite sure. Mm. But Fraser's group have also said that it quotes it cannot rule out the possibility of asking people to take voluntary pay cuts or making redundancies, which again is obviously a really shitty thing for anyone that, that does work for for a game, and then anyone else. I haven't looked at the people that Fraser's group also represents or owns, but you know, that's obviously... This, this is affecting the economy in ways that I think people may not have anticipated. Mm. And I know a lot of people have been affected, our, ourselves included.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they've all said it was, was kind of a bit, you know... is uh, so, so my view. Again, this is just, just me. I would want to be... I would want to be realistic, but also more assuring to people because people obviously get a bit panicky thinking that, you know, then we'll be able to pay rent and mortgages and all that kind of stuff, you know, just afford the cost of living. Mm. But they have said, quote, we and you should plan for the next few months getting harder for our business. Now, I, as as an employee, I would not be filled with confidence if my employer... Owner, parent company, whatever, come came out and said that. Mm. And I know they probably think that honesty is the best policy, and and a lot of times I think it is. But I Mm. think there's definitely a way for you to phrase it that maybe you know calms the waters a little bit rather than maybe inciting a bit of worry and panic.
1: They could have been a bit more diplomatic about it for sure.
0: Yeah, that's that's the only thing that I that's the only criticism I have. But you know, if they want to lay it out for people and not sugarcoat it, then. It's obviously their way of uh, establishing that, that PR route, I guess. But yeah, a lot of companies have had it. You know, every everyone from big companies like I know Air Travel uh, or like oh yeah, I think P and O, British Airways, loads of companies like that have had taken a huge hit. Places obviously like a lot of food places, so McDonald's, Greg's, Costa, the the pillars you would say of of British society almost, Primark as well. Mm. Uh, they've all uh, put people on furlough. I don't know how. Uh, I'm not privy to, to numbers of how much the staff, if not all they've put on it, but it's definitely affected a lot of people and I think the the gaming industry um, and things like, you know leisure, FECs arcades, stuff like that they've all, mm. they're kind of be one of the the harder hit industries because it's just not, it's not a necessity is it but people like NHS and medical and stuff like that have all been uh they've obviously all gone the other way 'cause they're you know, they've got people working crazy at the moment to to deal with what's going on. But uh, I did wanna put out there that if anyone listening, if they, if you've been affected by furlough or neg- how just how you've been affected by the lockdown, whether that's financially or whatever, you know, share, let us know how you're getting on. We hope everyone is is being okay, everyone's, you know, being looked after by their employers and stuff and so if you wanna let us know how you're getting through it, we're we're all ears. we are have to see how people are overcoming these trying times Mm. Um, my next item is the uh twitch of introducing new rules for their chat okay so apparently this has been a bit of a long time coming for a lot of people in that you know from from anything twitch especially i haven't seen it myself but because i do not i don't hang out on twitch too much but uh, i imagine moderating uh trolls in your chat is can could almost be a full-time job for, for for some streamers that people come in and try and uh, ruin all the fun that people are having.
1: I think it, it is. Streamers tend to yeah. employ at least two mods to have their own chat at all times.
0: Okay, that th- that makes sense, definitely. But now, if you're banned from the chat, uh, you can no longer see the chat at all. Okay, So you are completely zoned out from that. Uh, and you don't appear in follower or chat lists. And okay. I think another really good thing that uh, is going to help out a lot of people is that you know From a work around like that is that you will get banned as a, as a troll you just create a new one and come in but now you get shadow banned based on your ip address
1: that's a good change
0: so you know you can't just you know get banned come in as someone else to start start ruin it uh, they can still make comments but no one can see it so it's they're just they're just shouting in an empty room essentially hmm. uh, they've introduced a new mod view that you can suspend ban all that kind of stuff a lot more easily than just I think before you had to use chat commands okay so you, it's a bit more of an easier setup and, and the UI is maybe a bit friendlier you can the mods can search a user in the chat so if I was in it and I'd been I'd been an ass in every chat I've been in, I'd just come in and spam his profanity and stuff uh, they can see my message history and who like who I've interacted with and what the last kind of stuff I've done oh, okay. So that's, I think it's a pretty good, cool feature.
1: That's interesting, yeah. It will encourage people to be a bit more polite and take away that shield of, I don't know, anonymity when people just storm around being arseholes.
0: Yeah. Also, I guess you, you're held accountable to your previous actions, right?
1: That yeah. You're not
0: going to be like, oh, well, this is the first offence I've had. It's like, well, actually, no, You've in the last 10 chats, you've been, you've just been a bit of dick. Uh, and there's a new queue for flag messages, so Twit has an, an auto-mod. That flags up and says, Oh, maybe you want to look at this, because maybe this guy's being a bit a bit funky, or this dude's doing this. So now you can queue those up and look at them and say, Okay, that's fine, that's not, that's fine, that's not. So yeah, all good, you know. I'm always up for I'm always interested in always a bit of Twitch news because I think Twitch as a medium is it is kind of the premier content location for video gamers. I know it's kind of changed lately with People like musicians and other kind of people getting in on it with what with the the quarantine keep people inside, mm. uh, and they've also I saw it the other day, but I, I'd mm-hmm. written this before this happened, and I thought I didn't want to take up another thing with another lot of Twitch, but they've updated their clothing and nudity policy oh, really? as well. Yeah, so they've I think they kind of announced that it was I'm limbing a bit here. Forgive me because I need just I read the article quickly and and then give it like a once over. But they've basically not had any room for sort of interpretation, What look for, but you can't quite uh differentiate what it might be, so they've spelt out what is and isn't okay,
1: okay. So
0: I'll include a link to that actually as well, so people can check it out if you're if you're on Twitch and you're maybe uh considering or if you're considering starting Twitch, you might want to know what what you can and can't do. I think the main thing is, I don't know if it was brought up by that, but they've explicitly said you can. Uh, breastfeed on Twitch. So that's not a, a point of contention anymore because I know that yeah. way back when it's, we covered yeah. that story, I believe.
1: One of our earlier videos, yeah.
0: So maybe a bit of a throwback, Excellent. but yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll chuck a link in the in the description as well for that if you want to check that out. And then my, my final big one, as Matt mentioned in the intro, uh, was for the House Party app. So things like Zoom, Teams, Maybe maybe Discord as well has been has been popping up for a lot of people. Everyone's looking for ways that we can still interact and connect, and you know, seeing someone is a lot more. I think just brings that element more of closeness than than just a standard phone call does. Uh, and House Party is one of the things that's been. It's a, an app that people have used that can basically do. I don't know what the cap on it is, but it, it's like a virtual meeting. Basically, so you have a big a big FaceTime call that everyone gets in on. Mm. Uh, it, it's actually I don't know until I let this up. It's owned by Epic Games, as in oh. the Epic Games that the, wow. the, the, the Fortnite the Fortnite guys. They bought it back in June of last year, hmm. and there's kind of stuff going around in it that it's it's unsafe and it's very vulnerable to being hacked.
2: Hmm.
0: It was interesting because I I've got a WhatsApp group in my family, and there's a, probably about eight of us in there, hmm. uh, and yeah. one of my aunts actually posted in there that they. They'd seen, I don't know if they shared it from someone else, or if they were saying it was one of their friends or co-workers or something, but they said that they, they got, allegedly, House Party had hacked one of her bank accounts and tried or made a charge on a card on something. Hmm. And uh, there's been some other stuff as well that, you know, people have said they've had their Spotify and Netflix accounts done in, um, and then more serious things like, they said, bank accounts and, and emails, maybe people access and passwords and, and kind of funky stuff like that. Epic has has come out and said that there's no these sort of claims are unfounded, and they are Epic are quotes victims of a paid commercial smear campaign.
1: Hmm. Drama.
0: So who'd be doing this? I can't initially think of someone that would, but they've put up a cool one million dollars bounty to find the quotes malicious actor or actors that are behind the campaign. Uh, the official tweet from. Uh, from the House Party Twitter account, is that, quotes, we are investigating indications that the recent hacking rumors were spread by a paid commercial smear campaign to harm House Party. We are offering a $1 million bounty for the first individual to provide proof of such a campaign to... And then there's the email address for the... uh, thing, which is bounty at HouseParty.com.
1: We'll share that in the description as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll put that in there. The kind of consensus from... The sort of security, the cybersecurity community, so which is independent from that, so this doesn't come from, this doesn't just come from Epic or Highspot, uh, is that the likelihood of the app being able to hack someone's account apparently is highly unlikely. So this, from from separate people, not related to this anyway, they've kind of reviewed it and said that this isn't likely a thing that can happen, mm. and that people have because there's been a huge influx of people to the app. If these things have then happened, they could have likely come from other sources and it's just a coincidence that everyone's been downloading this, so there's they're kind of putting two and two together and getting five.
2: Yeah.
0: Which you, you know, people that, you know, aren't the average person isn't gonna be that informed, you know, especially if you've got not want to generalize, but if you've got an older generation of people that maybe aren't that tech savvy. Yeah. They're they're gonna make these kind of deductions that, you know, oh, I've downloaded this app, and then I've been I clicked on an email from Nigerian Prince, and it's obviously not his fault. So it's definitely high sparring.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can definitely uh, well, like you said, put two and two together, and make five.
0: Yeah, so it's you know it's it's understand- understandable why this uh, why people are coming and coming and to these conclusions, but you know nevertheless, it's not fair to to make. I don't want to give Epic generally a lot of slack, but you know if I don't just want to. I feel like they maybe be getting pinned. This getting pinned on them, and that's not entirely fair if there's no foundation for the allegations. Hmm. And a quote from Epic says, our investigation uh, find that many of the original tweets spreading this claim have been deleted, and we've noticed Twitter account is suspended. So,
2: hmm.
0: it's it's an interesting one. I can't, I don't know if you can weigh in that, but I can't think of anyone that would be gunning, other than not like a... It doesn't strike me there'd be a ground conspiracy theory, is that it's just, it's maybe some independent hackers just trying it on.
1: Well, it's... Right now, it's competitive space. If you can have the one app that is linking everyone together for the next three months and is seen to do a lot of good at a time of global crisis, that's a, that's a lot, a lot of money and a lot of kudos. So I can see mm. why it would be a competitive space. You've got stuff like, like you mentioned, Zoom, Teams. They all have mobile apps, I assume. Discord as well. You know, it it could be anyone. Who who in their right mind? would target Epic, I don't know. And I think any corporate personages would be smart enough to not do that because Epic will find out eventually and grind you into the dirt. So it's just not worth the risk. But I don't know.
0: When, yeah, you're going after someone that's got a lot of, they got a lot of backing, they got a lot of money. You know, they can they can definitely fight you back. I, if I was, you know, a small-time hacker thinking, oh, I'm going to, getting on this not even you can understand maybe people trying to get in hack the accounts and then taking it from there but to actively look and trying to ruin their reputation seems like an odd yeah it's have to take
1: it's it feels if i mean if it's a commercial smear campaign it kind of makes sense like i said for the reasons that i said it doesn't really make sense to, from a, a solo hacker point of view right to to belittle house party, and and also like like you mentioned already, it could just be coincidental. It could just be that so many people are now flocking to these kinds of apps, and breaches have happened because there's there's also been a spike in other kinds of malicious targeting. So like, people I know people were getting texts saying uh, you've been spotted outside your house, or or your GPS on your phone has told us you've been outside your house. Click this link to confirm that you're home. They click it. There's been some
0: real scumbags, yeah, that have yeah. taken advantage of such a a shit time.
1: So, to... l- like you said, people are downloading this app and at the same time, a lot of people are getting targeted and maybe that's it's just one of those things. There's mm. there's correlation, but there's no causation.
0: That's well put. I think on that very well put note, we should wrap up the news. So I hope you're all more informed. I know Matt is. He always,
1: always is. Always enlightened. Love hearing your voice.
0: Thanks. So that's all I got for the news. And now we move on to the episodic question, which was last time, what are games that we, we have primarily experienced with other people? And Matt is going to start us off with this one. So Matt, please tell us.
1: I am. I have put a lot of GameCube games on this list. You have,
0: actually. I'm sensing a theme.
1: The GameCube was a big staple of my gaming nights with my mates. I still actually have my GameCube floating around somewhere in my in my office. It's changed form over the years. I've attached a battery and a screen and all kinds of madness to it because it can it can do that. And the Game Boy player as well. That is an awesome peripheral. Mm. is impossible to get anymore, but yes. So, 007 Nightfire is one of my favorite James Bond games come at me. I loved it for the customizable multiplayer games.
0: I'm going to say it's better than GoldenEye because I had a good time with Nightfire.
1: It was just a laugh. Like I, I understand GoldenEye's significance, but I had so much fun with Nightfire. Like doing remote bombs only, or setting one AI to like max and having us all try and hunt him out, hunt him down while he's got the golden gun or something. You could just make your own fun in that in that multiplayer game. We, we played it for hours.
0: I think we used to use the laser. We like went have like an old laser one. Was it, like, the red hand cannon laser or whatever the hell it oh, was?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: God, they could just... Use it on the on the final mission because it was in space and you, you fought the guy on, like, the space platform, whatever it was.
1: You were, like, on the outside of a satellite or something?
0: Yeah, I think he was on, like, a missile platform and he was going to shoot it at, like, the at the nations or something. So I can't remember, really, like...
1: Something, some James Bond crap, you know.
0: Yeah, some evil thing. man doing something evil.
1: <laughs> so there's that. There was Mario Party 4, which is my favourite Mario Party
2: oh
0: wow well, uh, we, mm, we put sorry in,
1: we, put, <laughs> we put the turn timer up to max uh not knowing how long that would take and roughly 10 or 11 hours later we all finally went to bed because that's how long is it 99 uh, yes yeah, a long time <laughs> it was a long game we had like thousands of coins we were up to like 50 stars it was just insane it just kept going and going and going Left 4 Dead 2 is uh, another game I mentioned I think in the last episode we were talking about games that we spent a lot of time yeah. in uh, spent a lot of time in Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 and that was always with people you know it's a co-op focused game much yeah. like Resident Evil 5 I've also put on this list love a bit of Resident Evil 5 uh, that was only improved having having people there
0: yeah you don't want to play that with an AI you just you just you just don't
1: Cheva, give me an egg <laughs>
0: Shepard, give me a friend.
1: (laughs) Give me a friend to play this game with because you are the worst.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Or the, you can't be serious.
1: (laughs) It was in the, it was the mercenaries mode when you, when you played Wesker. If there were two of you and you go down as Wesker, you failed me. (laughs) When you call for help, instead of being like, help me out. He's just screaming, you failed me. (laughs) Uh, Going back to the GameCube. Uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee. That was an excellent game. Not as good as Ultimate. I do think Ultimate is the best instalment of Smash Bros. that we've ever had. In my humble opinion.
0: See, it's interesting, just to, to go on that. I've seen a lot of criticism of Ultimate for Apparently what people don't like about it is its buffer system. That's um, fair. and it's got it, it's got such a wide window, I think, of like nine to ten frames. Which is why you get things like air dodging of the stage, and mm. things like coming out of Yoshi's egg or Kirby and Diddy's Which is why you like come out and immediately air dodge. Mm. But sorry, yeah, it's just
1: straight for high level play. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, Vermintide was a game I I still love. Vermintide Two is a great game. I definitely recommend that to anyone. And more, more recently, as in today, Man of Medan, Fran picked it up and uh, we, were kind of, we weren't playing it together, but I was watching her play it and we were kind of making the decisions together. It's, it's quite a fun, low impact multiplayer game in a way, you know, kind of like a telltale game where you just kind of make yeah. choices and enjoying the story. And it's a horror story. I love horror. So doubles down as being awesome for me. What about yourself, Sam?
0: I'm going to jump right off the back of... Your your telltaleness, uh, because Danielle and I experienced uh, the Walking Dead, the first season. For me, the best season,
2: mm-hmm.
0: in terms of just pretty much every aspect, in that we, we just experienced that together. We made the decisions together, and it was just a a cool experience to have that. As much as we uh, experience a TV show when you're just in it, we haven't had the joy of watching slash. Involving ourselves in Bandersnatch, mm. but that's probably the next closest thing to something like that. And we were, we were like invested in the story. We were, she was like annoyed when I would choose to save other people versus hers because I would have, I was holding the controller. So. <laughs> we try and compromise, but I think it gives you about five seconds to make a decision. So mm. yeah, I was the the uh, the overruler. But yeah, that was that was just fun, and that was like a like I said, it's a. It isn't isn't a multiplayer experience, and that it's just a, a story you experience with someone else and have some agency over. Portal Two, again, I played with her. <clears throat> there was a cause a bit of stress because it was is an achievement to complete the fourth the co-op course uh, without dying, um, and that's a that's a good maybe eight test chambers, and um, you know, portal being portal, it. It's tough, and but we rode that rode that relationship wave, and I'm fine.
1: <laughs> Strong but, for
0: it. Yeah, we got through those tough times. E.G. Ported, Gears of War One, I have covered before was was a big one. I played with my friends. Big shout-outs to them. I played with my friend Greg, Ben, Tom, and uh, less frequently, but there was a, another, a guy called Sam in my year. That I also played with. That was like. Finish school, go home, have tea, play Gears for the next three hours. That was it. But back then, if we were all on, uh, Gears was only 4-4 at that point. Mm. So we'd have, sometimes have it where if we were all on, that one person had to go on the other team. We'd obviously deliberately look to screw up that person as much as we could and kill them as fast as possible. <laughs> because, you know, we're mates, and that's what you yeah,
1: do. Yeah, th- strong friend group.
0: Yeah, you relentlessly torment the people you're absolutely closest with. Uh, again, yeah, Left 4 Dead, although I didn't have a great, I didn't have a proper team of people. I kind of flitted in and out. My one of my very good friends, Tom, if he's if he's listening, will know that we experienced a lot of that together, more so the first one, not as much the second one. Rock band, again, my friend Tom, he had uh, the drums and all that kind of stuff. He had like a full, full shebang of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it would be, if I would go back to his after college, uh, when we had that, we'd play for a bit. Which I'm sure his parents love to hear us just smashing on <laughs> drums and
1: singing importantly.
0: Be- yeah, playing Beetle and Etta Sandman at like nine o'clock at night. I'm sure they absolutely love that. Uh, my friend Aaron, who affectionately goes by the name t- by the name Norb, which comes from Norbert from the Angry Beavers. Uh, I don't know that, again why he was then called that. Uh, I met. I was introduced to him as that. So, uh, but yeah, we he came on holiday with my family and I took my 360 with me. This is a while back now. We're talking 2007, eight-ish.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, and we played of all games NBA 2K7, but we would turn all the rules off so we could just like push people over and stuff. So, but we we definitely bonded over that game. And we played a bit of Rainbow Six Vegas One as well together.
1: Okay,
0: so that was a fun old time. I'm sure he might remember that. He might have forgotten about that until now, but he probably
1: has. It's all
0: flooding back to him if he's listening to that now. Uh, worms 2, I used to go to my friend Danny's house. Uh, we'd play, that was one of the few PC games I'd actually play, but he had a PC, it was weird. He had his PC in his kitchen, uh, and his mum would be like, we'd be there playing Worms against each other, and she'd be cooking like chicken caves in the background. It was an old time. <laughs> Army of 2, again, my friend's Tom. I don't, <gasps>
1: as you can probably tell, I don't
0: have that many friends. The <laughs> same people keep cropping up.
1: I I played Armia Two as well with my um, I think my little brother. Me and my little brother went through Armia Two.
0: It was a fun game, but it was goofy. There's a little story surrounding it in that uh, I couldn't go and buy it because I think it was an eighteen. Mm. Um, so I asked my auntie to go and get it from Tesco, and she came back and there was no disc in the thing.
1: Ah. Uh.
0: So and my friend Tom already had it, and he was just waiting for me to, to, to show up. <laughs> so he was he was getting a bit uh, impatient on that. But yeah, that was fun. That was Armia Two was goofy and a bit broken, but it was fun.
1: As a, as a tiny aside, my little brother also grew Tom. Carry on.
0: That's true. True.
1: Uh, the South Park
0: arcade game. I played my friend Louis, Dave, and I. So I think the other person was Tom. But I can't remember who the fourth one was. So there's a really hard achievement on that to beat a level on insane, and you know what, it's it's like a tower defense game. Mm-hmm. If you're not it's building towers. You have to build like a zigzag path for the enemies to go down to to win. And that was like we did that like really late at night, and I just remember that was a nice. A nice co-op experience we all shared, called Zombies, which my friends Dave, James, Alex, and sometimes Tom would come in to help out every now and then if we played because we did it. So we did all the original World of War Zombies, I and then we did Black right Ops Two. Yeah, we'd, it was really cool. Like I love. We would have we not very creatively we call them Zombie Nights, <laughs> where we'd all bring our 360s over to. Usually in my house, or sometimes we're from Alex's house if, if his parents were away. Uh, we'd all bring our TVs. We'd get in. We'd order a pizza. It was just a really cool night. That I, I love doing them. It was a, probably a pain in the ass. That there was definitely more in it for me because I want to get the achievements out of it mm. and do all the the insane Easter eggs. Ugh. But yeah, it's, it was those like social moments that you know that gaming does bring people together. And I hope we can do one uh, again when all this is over because they're just really fun to do. Mm. But yeah, I actually did this twice because I did them for some of my friends on PS3 and then we did them again on three sixty. So that was that was fun. And my last one that I'm gonna put in is uh Mario Golf, which not enough people played. Mario Golf is fire. And the good thing about it is that because it was turn based, you only had to have one controller to play it with. Okay. So you could have I would I would assume a maximum of four people there just because. But yeah, my I didn't didn't really game a lot with my parents, my dad more so, but with my mum and my stepdad, not so much, because they're just not different generation, not not really into into games. Mm-hmm. But that would be a thing where like I don't know, maybe every every other Friday we just play a in Mario golf. And it was just it was just fun. Again, that's just a nice we we usually have like traditional game nights where we do Things like that. They were few and far between, but maybe like you get a board game at Christmas and then we'd play it. And I think that was a, a nice, fun thing when all my family shared that, but video games not so much. But mm-hmm. Mario Golf was definitely one of them.
1: How wholesome.
0: Yeah, it was good. I, it's, it's weird how much I'm, I'm like remembering how cool those like social interactions based around that were. Because mm-hmm. I feel like everyone was experiencing, I'm getting, well, for me, I'm getting the fun of playing video games with the fun of hanging out with my family and friends.
1: Mm-hmm. There's nothing better than that for me. No, yeah, that's that's, that's why co-op games. are just so much fun. You know, there's, there's nothing yeah, more fun than playing with your mates.
0: Yeah, like we've, like I said before when we did the RE5 DLC. Like, I could have never done that by myself. I would not have the fortitude to be able to make myself do that. But in fact, we were doing it together and sharing the pain. Mm. And then, like, you stop halfway through, you get some food, you go to McDonald's.
1: Just have a good time. Just makes it, yeah,
0: just makes it fun. That's what games should be, right? It should be fun.
1: Exactly. So that's our answers to the question from last episode. But the question for this episode is, what are our best gaming anecdotes? So what what do we mean by best, Sam?
0: Uh, just ones that definitely, when you think of a story or a, a funny incident relating to it that revolves around a game or involved in a game in some way, um, that's, that's what I mean by best maybe the wrong word just okay memorable we'll change it to
1: memorable best memorable funny sad maybe or georg- what, whatever dropping, emotion epic if, yeah if they make you feel an emotion
0: they're good enough they qualify
1: I'm excited for this I'm going to, have to think about this one
0: I've got a few in my, in my back pocket that immediately spring to mind and a few that I've probably pushed down and tried to forget about
1: you failed me
0: so that's it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we are truly thankful. Yep.
1: Yeah, thank you for choosing to spend your time here. And keep your eyeballs peeled on the Facebook page, where we're going to be doing frequent updates, not just on Speech Check, but also on you know the wider gaming landscape. As we mentioned throughout this episode, I did a couple posts about free betas, free weekends, and Sam's put up a quiz, and a couple of other bits of interesting content, so slide on over there, see if you see anything you like and get involved in any way you choose.
0: Yeah, I think the the one little disc- disclaimer I'll let's put out is that we don't want to feel like we're making false promises by saying that the content we want to provide beyond speech check. The main thing we want to do is that we get that uh, speech check is it's quite a heavy, heavy meal, to give it a, a metaphor.
1: It's a, um, it's a long old chunk.
0: And so I think that the main challenge for us at the moment is deciding what... To like serve up as our, our more digestible content. I'm, I'm running with the food analogies you, right now.
1: You like your gastronomic metaphors? Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know why. I don't know where that's coming from.
1: Hungry? I've been eating
0: a lot. I have been eating a lot since we've been isolated. Have you um, been hearing
1: my stomach rumbling for the entire episode. I've been trying I, to not.
0: Yeah, that's that's all. Worst. It's going to pick up. It's going to be an hour of just. <laughs>
1: oh, am trying to suppress belches?
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a diff, that's all right. ASMR podcast. Um, but yeah, if I'll, I'll put you know the question of if if there is content that you would like to see us do, or that you know maybe topics that you want us to to talk about or to address either through speech check or some other kind of content, then feel free to let us know that on through YouTube comments or you can interact with the Facebook page. You know if there's something you want us to cover or talk about, it, then that's fine. But we're going to continue to I guess deliberate what that shorter more concise content should be we have a couple of ideas but it's I think just deciding what is going to be the best one for for our audience
1: it's in the pipeline and it's yeah it's got to be attainable for both of us and something we both want to do as well Yeah. gotta have the yeah, passion in there
0: exactly there's just, there's just no point doing it but yeah if you want to support the channel or the podcast uh you can do the usuals follow like share subscribe all that kind of crazy stuff there's gonna be links to all in the description and you'll find this i believe matt is also posting these episodes on facebook as well so there'll be yes more multiple ways to interact with them but yeah thanks again guys we always appreciate it and yeah just thank you for yeah. everybody's continued support everyone's been really nice and very supportive of uh is. since it's
1: the nice
0: since the facebook page has been made everyone's been really really nice really supportive and liking it is. and sharing it's primarily
1: our mates at the minute though so you know bias bias evolved
0: Yeah, they they still, they don't don't have to do it, right? Actually. So, yeah. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you on the next time.